Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, here we go, here we go. It's a feeling now. Hit them not, hit them low. Cause we're dealing now. Everybody's giving it all they got. Cause we're ready. Welcome to the Piffles Podcast, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Alex. And I'm Adi here if I see another Chris Strebler video. I'm so surprised that you showed up this week after what we did last week to you, Steve. Um, I want to say I apologize, but I don't regret it. And also, I thank you for being such a big supporter and fan of the CFL and myself personally. <laughs> Come on, you knew that was happening again. <laughs> hey, you're still here. Yeah, you're still here. He's gone. He's gonna leave. Yeah. He's totally dropping. Out. I'm so I'm tempted. We got a lot to talk about. I might just drop out in the middle, just out of nowhere. And, and of course, I just want to. Next time I'm looking for a pillow, I I need to find something that's made of bomber fan because they're both soft and supportive. Apparently, because oh, what well, a week it's been. The title of this episode is not a typo, Linnipeg. We're going to talk a lot about Linnipeg in a little bit. Um, you can give us a follow on X at Piffles Pod. You can give me a follow at Real Alex D. You can find me at Safamod. And as always, I do not need nor want your pity follows at Greg on Sports. Even you, Straveler, you can. Uh, you don't need to pity follow me because I know you're now a listener of the show. Just a heads up, Steve. He's like Beetlejuice now. If we mention him three times, he shows up. Please, for the <laughs> love of God, can we end this show right now? Uh, Nothing good will ever come from that. There, There is no good that comes from him popping up on this show. Nothing. Man, you, still owe, us, you still owe us 20 bucks for that. Yeah. I ain't paying nothing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, We're on Facebook as well. Check us out there. Of course, the website, pifflespodcast.com. Of course, Piffles Podcast brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Uh, thanks for listening on your favorite pod podcast platform, watching on YouTube or on Sastel Max TV on demand. Thank you so much. Let's get into some rider football talk. It's time for the opening kickoff. All right. So not a lot in terms of signings over the last week, just because free agency is, especially with the Ed Hervey tampering window. Um, we're we don't in the lull. Yeah, we're in after the first like three or four days, it just kind of drops off. Um, but there was a Friday afternoon news dump that the riders had. Um, to me, a, a big signing, a significant signing, uh, signing an offensive lineman, right guard, Ryan Sevier, uh, from the Calgary Stampeders. He was an all star in 2022 and struggled a bit last year, but I think everybody on the stamps struggled last year so i'm not going to hold that against him but adding another canadian to that line guys what do you think of this signing when you can sign any all-star in this league doesn't matter if it's a year removed you still have a decent player you're not you're not wrong i a bunch of calgary uh stamps fans are like oh, not a big loss he had a bad season yeah he had a bad season but look what happened when derek dennis moved here he went from all-star to we couldn't get rid of him fast enough, unfortunately. And then he went back to his all-star ways. Sometimes it's a bad year. We don't know. He could have been dinged up, could have been nicked up. So hopefully he's here. New system. I just want to know what, what we're going to do with all these Canadian linemen because we can't have all of them out there. And you still got young guys like Fry and Bandy and uh, Zer waiting in the wings, wanting to get play time of their own. It's it's going to be hard to get some playing time if you're not a Canadian offensive lineman this year. I think it's pretty obvious prior to the news of the signing that happened earlier today, I think everybody would have assumed the same thing, that they were going for nationals on the O-line. I mean, it just makes sense. Philip Blake and uh, and Furland both have tackle experience. It, it was what we all expected. And honestly, adding an all-star out of Calgary and out of Calgary's system is never a bad option. Uh, especially along that O-line, where they have produced guys year after year after year. There's talent there. I'll take a guy off an off year, likely coming in a little bit cheaper than he was last season. 
where's the downside? Mark Mueller would know him very well. Of course, Corey Mace would know him well um, from his time in Calgary. So they know what they're getting with this guy. Uh, and and this isn't going to be the big sexy talk, but we're going to talk O-lineman here for a little while because to me, this is the big, big thing for the Riders right now, especially with the ratio. And we'll uh, talk about that signing right now that you mentioned, Steve, that they signed uh, here on Tuesday, left tackle Jonathan Hubbard. Um, fun fact, I actually know this guy. Um, I've heard of him before. He uh, performed at Grey Cup Halftime Show here in 2022, right? <laughs> yeah, it's only that. Yep. Like, like Florida Georgia Line, you're half right. <laughs> um, the guy's only 26 years old, has three years of NFL experience, uh, is a true left tackle. And I know I've been big on this the last couple of years. Last year, they brought in one left tackle. This year, now they have three uh, true left tackles on the roster that are going to come into camp and compete for that spot. And this just goes to show me that they're taking it seriously. Jeremy O'Day is really taking it seriously. When you look at last year, Gerald Hawkins was always plan A at left tackle. Always. He was written in there before training camp started. The guy didn't report to training camp. They put him on the suspended list. When he finally decided to show up, they gave him the starting job right away. What happened? Like five plays into the game, he got hurt. So that's your plan A. That was 2023. That ain't going to happen in 2024. There is going to be plan A, B, C, possibly down to D. Like there's, there, there's a lot of options here. Um, how do you, how do you guys think that this O-line is going to shake out in terms of American or Canadian on the, on the tackle position there at left tackle? Well, I think the biggest advantage that we've got is that we have flexibility because of the the talent that we've got at receiver, they can realistically throw six or seven Canadians out there on offense alone. You look at at MLS, KSB, um, who am I missing? Lenius and Picton. Thank you. Uh, Lenius would be the obvious other starter. Picton as a rotational guy, and then four O linemen across the or Nationals across the O line, and that's not even taking into account Hardrick as a a nationalized uh, American, whatever that rule is. I think the plan is to find an American left tackle and have that depth at the Canadian guard spots with, you know, Furland, Blake, Godber, you've got it center, Bandy can go behind him. Uh, you just you just have such a ton of options if they can find that American guy. But if they don't, you push Blake or Furland out there and you still have a ton of depth along the O-line, which if we would have said that a year ago, people would have called us nuts. But something's happened in the last month or so to, to wake O'Day up and realize we need an offensive line. He must listen to the show. But really, if you they think about it, though, yeah, there's limited roster spots, though. You typically only dress six offensive linemen. So if you're running two Americans out there, you're going to have your three Canadians in the middle, you only have one backup spot and you've got Furland, Blake, Godber, Sevier uh, on penciled in as four of possible three spots. Where's Bandy? Where's Fry? Where's Zer? You can't PR all of them. Well, you can, but you're just tempting losing young guys that you want to grow. Like Philip Blake's old. Like what are you going to do? Well, and then you have uh, Evan Florin, uh, who was a draft pick last oh, year. Yeah. This will be his first uh, full you know, season. He did training camp last year and then went back to school, had one more year of eligibility. Um, he's going to be a guy that's going to want to make at least the practice roster, right? So, And then who knows what they draft this year in the draft. So I, I would imagine they're probably going to draft at least one more O-lineman. Um, probably, I think... They might go in the later rounds and, and push off guys that still have another year of eligibility, just like they did with Evan Florin last year. Um, but you guys are right. It's it's a ton of options. And Philip Blake might not even start on this team this year with what they have. And if that happens, you're you're putting some pretty decent young talent on the practice roster, hoping they don't get scooped up. And that's not something we've had here in a while. And I, I like it. I think it's great. Um, if you can get one of those Americans uh, at left tackle, 
but somebody who's going to be there for a while. If you can get a long-term plan there, that's a big time win for this organization. They haven't had that since 2019. Yeah. Even then it wasn't that long-term of a plan that we had a good left tackle there. Right. Um, it's, I'm happy that the O-line is finally made a priority and it just goes to show me that they're not going to stop until they get it fixed. And I'm curious to see how, how it all shakes out. That's going to be my favorite um, battle in training camp is what that offensive line is going to end up being. You can really pencil in for the starters now, but then that left tackle is a question mark, but there's plenty of, of decent options behind there. So it's going to be a good battle in training cap to me. Like I said, you have five names you can pencil in the starting line, and that's for four positions because that's not including the left tackle. Like you can't go wrong with the center three Canadians we have lined up already. And like I said, there's four options. Plus you got a bunch of young guys pushing to make this roster too. Because at some point, Bandy's got to make the roster. At some point, Fry's got to get decent live fire. It's... Great problem to have. It's just very weird because typically we're like scrounging. Like, do we need to sign Josiah St. John just so this feels normal? <laughs> <laughs> well, with the preseason games being what four days apart, five days apart, there's going to be some bumps and bruises. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple of these guys, uh, especially the Canadians, end up on the at least one game injured list to start the season just to you know, kind of get things hammered out in the first week, but they'll be, I think Blake's going to end up with a paper guy. That's going to keep him out for a while. That, that wouldn't surprise me. And you save a decent amount of money on the salary cap doing that as well. So gives them some time to check out what these young guys can do. And there's, and, and, and don't tell me they're cheating. Cause everyone does it. <laughs> literally everybody. Um, and you know, um, Matt cause CFL.ca had a really good article saying that the riders biggest winner of free agency is Trevor Harris. Pretty much everything the riders have done is revolved around giving Trevor Harris help and getting him time. So shoring up the defense, making sure that they're not on the field as long as they were last year. And then the run game, especially the O line getting him help kind of hard to argue that point it's uh i mean it, it seems like they're all in on trevor harris this year and they're doing everything they can to make things as easy for him as possible well we kind of discussed it last episode is yeah especially on the offensive side shoring up your line shoring up your run game that's the best thing you can do for a slower older quarterback like this guy let's face it trevor harris is not going to outrun outrun the rush he's going to try to move up in the pocket as best he can so you got to after the those... last time he ran the ball yeah exactly <laughs> like you you got to give him time that's way to give him time strong offensive line and a run game that the other team respects because if they can just pin their ears back and go well mason fine is going to be called into duty way earlier than any anyone in this fan base wants to see And one other signing uh, over the last week here by the Riders also made on Tuesday was um, defensive back Marcus Murphy. So just more competition there in the defensive backfield. We'll see, again, kind of like the O-line, who's going to stick around on the practice roster. Usually you have two or three uh, defensive backs stick around. So maybe he's one of them. Who knows? Um well, we had a retirement. That's the reason why we, we found out what happened to Tremaine Washington. Yes, Tremaine Washington did retire. Yeah. Weird that they wouldn't put it on the transaction list, that the CFL wouldn't do that. I don't know why everything like this needs to be so secretive, but. Just, he just disappeared into the great beyond. Yeah, that's the CFL for you. Um, we need to talk about Linnipeg here. <laughs> and that's not a typo. Linnipeg with an L. Um, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, maybe coined that, I guess would be the word. Uh, bravo to the social media team. Absolutely fantastic. They're doing a great job over there for the riders. The, the media team is is doing great stuff right now. 
Um, and it was subtle enough to get the dig in, but it wasn't like the loser peg, which is over the top and just ridiculous. Kind of kind of expected at this point, right? Yeah. So spelling Winnipeg with the L and having Linnipeg had Bomber fans going off saying, you guys don't even know how to spell over there in Saskatchewan. Um, well, that joke went way over your head. Um, par for the course for most of Manitoba anyway, I think, right? Um, but they're taking it so seriously. I've never seen, and Greg, you're going you're gonna to hate this uh, as a New England Patriots fan. Um, when you're good and you're winning championships, as the Patriots did for a long time, as the Bombers did here recently, everybody hates you. That's it. Everybody is sick and tired of you. And that's what it is here in the CFL. We're sick and tired of seeing Winnipeg in the Grey Cup. And anytime you can get a little subtle dig on them, you're going to take it, right? Losing all your players in free agency. That's where the L comes from in Linnipeg. They're so Charmin soft. The fan base is so soft. And I saw Patriots fans do the same thing. Nobody got more upset. Maybe not you specifically, Greg. Easy now. But when you're winning championships... What do you care what other fan bases think? I'd say just bring it on. We're keep, we're winning. We're getting to the big game every year. And Speaking Winnipeg fans are not doing that though, but they're like they're actually legitimately like upset by this stuff and like guys, it's just football. It's fun, it's entertainment, it's social media. It's not super serious. Yes, it's serious for the players and the livelihood. We I get that, but it yeah. is entertainment. Football's a business, yes. And they're and they're having fun. The social media team is having fun. Have fun with it. The Bombers, when when they're winning, have a very good social media team, and they're putting out great videos, um, making fun of poutine when they beat Montreal, doing something when they beat the Riders, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. Regina-style pizza. And they love that over in Winnipeg. But Everybody else is loving the table. Right yeah. As soon as you turn the tables, it's not fair. It's, it's just mean. It's rude. You can't spell. Yeah. Charmin Soft is the perfect way to describe that fan base. And and like you said, they should be able to ignore all of it. They've been to four Grey Cups in a row. They're the, the class of the league right now. And all they're worried about is the Riders social media guy making fun of their back-to-back losses. And then Or some loudmouth podcaster. I love that the, the Riders social media guy doubled down with the trigger warning on Greg's post. That just mwah, chef's kiss on that, and it and it brought more, and like, relax, guys. I've said I said this multiple times after the Winnipeg joke that it's not that big a deal. This is supposed to be fun. Do you remember what eight ten years ago when the CFL used to have meme war Mondays, mm-hmm. and the social media departments had fun with each other? I miss Max. Right, that is the entire purpose of social media. It is entertainment. And it seems somewhere along the way, the CFL had forgotten that until the last couple of years. They're starting to bring it back. And now the riders have gotten in, in on it. And we've been pushing them for years to, to do this, to do the entertainment, to, to have a little fun. And I really hope that this is just the start of them really digging in and having some fun because it's, it's going to be entertaining if they do. My favorite part is... You had one person in particular argue that Linnipeg is dumb. It, it, it's it's ridiculous. It makes no sense. And we should be embarrassed about it. And then in the next post, he's complaining about how offended he is by it. So is it dumb or are you offended? I don't understand what you're arguing. Right now. But but the fact remains, the, the best were the fans that got, got the joke and thought it was funny did all like i i put out a series on all the teams i love those and those so, great. some some fans found it funny and including of their own fan base my, my favorite was uh, steph from uh the calgary was it used to be the horseman what are they now the ghost go ghost go ghost Stamps go um it's like yeah that's accurate and it hurts me <laughs> what about mine about the stamps but it's it's fun. Like we need to have fun ourselves because football is entertainment. And do some of my jokes land? Sure. Do all of them? No, that's fine. 
Most at this them. point, it's 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 a, it's a shotgun effect. Like we could bring Strevy on every, like as, on a weekly uh, basis, I'm and sorry, me and Alex would find we could bring Strevy on on a weekly basis. Well, like this. And also, thank you for being such a big supporter and fan of the CFL and myself personally. Uh, I hate you guys so much right now. That's never gonna get old. I no, know it's, it's not. not. <laughs> but the fact remains is don't. Like, don't crush someone else's vibe. I, I I don't know how to say it. Not sound like a hippie. Like, if someone finds it fun, let them find it fun. Don't just because you hate it or you find it dumb, just move on. Like, I I don't need to hear about how lame it is. Sure, some of the jokes didn't hit. That's fine. But this guy found it hilarious. So, who cares? Speaking of, and you played the video at the right time. Speaking of things, I want to give the middle finger to. I would like to take this opportunity to, to flip off the Kansas City Chiefs because when November rolled around, we were done with the dynasty talk. There was no more. It was over. People weren't talking about the Blue Bombers as a dynasty. It was done. But after the Chiefs won their, their third in five years, in a league with 32 teams, I might add, you know, not nine, now all I'm hearing from Bombers fans out in Linnipeg is – the dynasty is back on. So I won't do it on camera, but it, to the Kansas City Chiefs for ruining what remains of my offseason. Thanks for that, because now we have to listen to them all over again. Just be that much sweeter when they lose in the playoffs this year. I hope they miss the playoffs. I was going to say, they're going to miss the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, the, the gap is narrowing. Uh, actually, let's 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 go there. So that's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal Apagejana Realty. I want to jump to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. I was going to have this later, but I did uh, my very first Alex's version. Uh, speaking of Kansas City Chiefs and Taylor's version, whatnot um, of the power rankings, and I put Montreal at first in my first power rankings of the year. No matter what, to be the man, woo! You have to beat the man. Montreal's the Great Cup champions. They're number one on my list, regardless of what happened to them right now. And they did nothing to get worse on top of it. Not only are they champs, but they brought back a majority of their roster. Unlike on on defense, especially, which is what was a huge, which got them there, which legit got them there. Yeah. Um, So I have Montreal at first. I originally had Winnipeg in second. Um, Then I said, Screw them. Drop them down a third. Um, but uh, Three Down Nation also had um, power rankings out, uh, voted by the staff there, and they had Winnipeg a second, and everybody's freaking out. Winnipeg should be first. They're the betting favorites to win the Great Cup. Well, betting favorites and power rankings are completely two different things. Let and... me explain something as a former degenerate gambler. <laughs> betting... I, I, I used to gamble a lot. Um, the I, I still um, do, but I used to too. Yeah, I, I used to too. Yeah, like, I used to, and I still do. But fact remains is the betting lines are set to make the people who set the lines money. So if they know Winnipeg fans are crazy enough, Linnipeg, they Greg, will, Linnipeg, 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 this is going to be hard. Linnipeg fans Linnipeg. are crazy enough they are going to put their money down so you want to give them favorable odds to get more money out of them because people with higher uh higher payouts are, are more are going to take the money from the the linnipeg fans so you have to balance it out that is why that is also why the riders are heavy favorites in pretty much every game they play as well even if they're supposed to be losers so yeah the betting favorites have nothing to do with power rankings it's all about money. And that is gambling by Greg. <laughs> uh, possibly a segment later on in the in the season. Don't follow Greg's advice. Yeah, yeah don't follow my advice. But we, in my we power, need a legal legal disclaimer before we offer any real legitimate gambling <laughs> advice. Just me doing like a rainbow. Do not follow my advice. Yes. Um, but is having Linnipeg at two or three in the power rankings too high? with what they've lost because they have a lot of money. Like they kept a lot of really good players. Um, they're still going to be a good team. I still think they're going to finish first in the West, but right now, as it stands, that's a lot of money tied up in about 
five guys. That's a large portion of your salary cap tied up in five players with Caleros, uh, Brady Oliveira, Dalton Schoen, um, Willie Jefferson, Adam Big, Big Hill, Hill Kenny, Kenny Lawler. Like they have seven, they have seven guys at almost half their cap. Like half the roster third. is going to have to make minimum. Like that is a lot of hoping guys you've scouted turn out. And, and, and that's not even factoring in the guys that they've lost. You look, you look at Yoshi Hardrick to the Riders, Demario Houston to the uh, was he to the Stamps? Yeah, they've they've lost. That was the most outstanding lineman last year, the interceptions leader on defense last year, and all of their guys are a year older. We were talking about Winnipeg being, you know, long in the tooth last year or the Linnipeg. year before that. Steve Winnipeg. Damn it, Winnipeg. We were talking about Winnipeg being old two years ago. They keep bringing back the same roster that's lost in back-to-back Grey Cups, Winnipeg. And you wonder why they're starting to drop in those rankings. That's why. They, they, they've lost it. I don't understand the, the game plan here, and I honestly think they are too high. I think this is the year. Now, keep in mind, we've predicted Calgary to drop out of the playoffs for you know our entire existence. So They should again, have. Maybe the only Craig reason they Dickinson. made the playoffs last year is because the Riders and the Elks and the Red Blacks were absolute garbage. <laughs> That's the only reason. And they had to make the playoffs. That was the reason. It was because the Riders right. couldn't win a win one game. One more game. All the Riders had to do is win one more game. Yep. In their last seven. Yep. Yeah. But no, they, they're a fourth, or, a fourth or fifth team to me right now. And I think that is being generous. They're going to have to I, show me. If I was doing the power rankings, Montreal, yes. To be the man, you got to beat the man. Toronto still come, is coming off a 16-2, and two, and yes, they've lost uh, some players, but they still have a decent core there, so you have to respect that. Winnipeg at three, sure. I still like BC, what they've done. I might even put Winnipeg four. So, once again, the fact that the Bomber, fa- uh, Bomber fans are so soft that this is a giant issue just cracks me up. Like, everything to them is a slap to the face at this point. To me, it's it's the the gap between Winnipeg and everybody else in the West is narrowing. It's not that Winnipeg is a worse team than anybody else because I don't believe that. I still think they're the most well-rounded team in the entire league, um, especially after the losses Toronto had. I think Toronto is going to be just fine with their scouting that they've they've done very very well bringing in players the last couple of years. And John Murphy no reason... book working overtime. Yeah, and I have no reason to to expect otherwise this year. Winnipeg, well, they've brought in a lot of guys in free agency. They've done some decent scouting. But now it's when, you know, Danny Mac down in the States, are you going to be able to find a lot of these guys that are going to come in, produce at a high level, and only make $65,000 a year or whatever minimum is? So to me, it's just that the gap is narrowing. They're still the best team in the West until somebody beats them and, and knocks them off their throne but it's not the surefire thing that it has been the last three years. But as always, the West is going to be super tight. Like I, the writers once, and I hate when people, Oh, the writers won free agency. Writers made a lot of good moves in free agency. Did they win it? I don't know. No, Ottawa uh, wins it. I'm, Ottawa wins free agency every year. Yeah. But last time we and won free the only agency, thing they, they went well for us. Yeah. yeah. So, I, th- I like the riders are definitely going to take a step forward this year. BC is probably where they were last year. Uh, they kept basically everyone they needed to keep. Um, Calgary, they still got Jake Mayer back there. I have no idea what how that's going to look. And we're what year four into a Chris Jones? Like this is where he's supposed to take a step forward. Is this only three? three? Either way, year three in the Chris Jones uh, franchise is where they're supposed to take that step finally. So he almost took us to a great cup in year three. Yeah. Well, and they have Stupid a good Bajardo getting a touchdown. Pretty decent quarterback in McLeod Bethel Thompson over there in Edmonton. So like it's it's gonna be a dog the West is gonna be a dogfight this year. I think every other team has improved outside of Calgary because honestly nothing that they've done us out of outside of the Matthew Schultz signing. Nothing Calgary's done has impressed me at all this offseason. But Even Demario else... Houston was, was one of their big signings. 
He's, oh, good he signing. was legit. It's a good signing, but he is Winnipeg. It was Winnipeg, Winnipeg's Winnipeg. Nick, Nick Marshall. <laughs> like, live by the sword, die by the sword. Yeah, he made a lot of interceptions, but he also got burned for quite a few, too. So. I don't know. I just see the, the gap narrowing, and I don't know. It's just funny to see them lose their minds over in Winnipeg. Let I hope it happens all season long. <laughs> um, speaking of Linnipeg and signing cast-offs and junk and all that, they signed <laughs> Eric Lofton. Um, so that's going to be their new right tackle. What's old is new again? Because he was the right tackle, uh, well, was supposed to be the next guy in line uh, behind Jamarcus Hardrick. Uh, Yoshi comes over here. Their backup, who was supposed to start, retired. So now they panicked and brought in Eric Lofton. Um, good for him for going back, I guess. Um, but he was bad when given a chance here in, in Saskatchewan. And I hope that's the exact same player they're getting over in Winnipeg. He wasn't good. Maybe it's a situational thing, but I'm hoping he plays the same as he did here because uh, our boys are going to eat then at the at Labor Day. You know, if I'm, if I'm Winnipeg management, I'm sitting Winnipeg. there at – Winnipeg management at uh, at Banjo Bowl last year, watching our offensive line and going, you know what we need to do to get better next year? We need to trade the most wet, the most outstanding lineman nominee for that guy. That's their scouting department right now. That was their their decision making. I realize a lot of it comes into that, you know, needing a bunch of guys making league minimum. But that's a trade I would take a hundred times out of a hundred, and here we are. I mean, Lofton was, we had high hopes for him when he came in because he came from Winnipeg's system. We thought, their O-line is great. Maybe he'll be great. He was not. No, he wasn't. Oh, so, he you was know, not. Derek Dennis seems to disagree. Dennis thinks he is a, a high-quality lineman and is going to do great things in Winnipeg, but he's going to have to show me because nothing he did here gave me any indication that Winnipeg's in for success. But I do hope he retires too, just to make it even funnier. I'd like to see their right tackle just sign and retire. Or some of them pull a Durant and take a signing bonus to walk away. Be delightful. I guarantee you Lofton did not get a signing bonus. <laughs> um, other news around the CFL. Jamal Morrow, we said last week, was going to Calgary. Not going to Calgary now. Apparently didn't pass his physical um, or issues with it anyway. Uh, he's still a free agent. And like it all is quiet. I, I'm really worried. Well, I don't say worried. I'm, I'm a little concerned what they found, obviously. If he can't pass a physical, um, it's probably going to take him take a while for a team to give him a shot and make sure he's 100% before they even think about bringing him in, which sucks because J- Jamal was a good player for us and great in the uh, community. So Great, dude. So I hope he lands on his feet. I got a feeling he's going to be a, a Sean Lemon of 2024 that somebody's going to sign him at some point into the season. May not have quite the same effect that Lemon had, but he's going to be that, you know, week four, week five, we need to fix our, our running back situation or somebody got hurt. Why not call the guy with some CFL experience? He'll get a shot, assuming it's nothing long term that uh, that ruined that physical. Um, BC Lions officially signing Jake Dolagalo over the last week since we last recorded. Um, a lot of Ryder fans very upset about that. And of course, it's uh, your typical Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans being afraid of another team's backup. We're going to lose to him. Well, hopefully he's not even, well, I mean, maybe hopefully he's playing, but for BC's sake, hopefully he's not playing because that means Vernon Adams Jr. is healthy. Um, I mean, good pickup for the Lions. They got two of the four best free agent quarterbacks that were available, I guess. Um, And they needed that after Dane Evans retired. But my question to you guys, with Ryder fans going crazy about this over the last week, saying that they would have taken Dola Gala instead of Fine, which I would have as well. But if Dola Gala wants to test free agency, I think the plan was to want to sign Dola Gala here in Saskatchewan. But if he says he wants to test free agency, 
you got to make sure you have somebody else under contract. And that's why I think Jeremy O'Day did sign Mason fine. I don't well, think that's I understand. a long-term answer, but did, did the Riders make the right decision? I, I understand your point, but the problem is they already had Harris under contract. They had Pipkin under contract. They have Shea Patterson under contract. Like Signing fine wasn't necessarily a necessity. They probably could have waited it out to see if they could get Dolagala into the fold. Um, would I have preferred Jake over Mason? Yeah, probably. But the fact remains, the Riders made a decision, but they're selling it as, like, fine played. They like things that Mason did better than Jake did. I'm sorry. Mason didn't look good there last year. He just did not look comfortable. Here's the thing to me. You look at, at Dolagala over the last half of the season, he was the guy that won the job behind Trevor Harris and came in. And I'm sorry, but we went 0-7 to close out the year. And a lot of that had to do with quality on offense. And when you're quarterback, when you're at quarterback, you a lot of that blame falls on your shoulders. To me, he was very much the Nick Marshall of the quarterback spot. He could make all those big plays, but then he would turn around and fumble it three times in a game. I I don't get the anger over this one. He just he was he has all the potential in the world. We can all see it. He's got the size, he's got the arm strength, but it wasn't translating fast enough for them to to worry about it. And honestly, I think I think Mason Fine is he is fine. He's that guy that's gonna come in and not lose you football games. He's not going to dazzle you. He's not going to throw those long bombs, but he makes less mistakes. And honestly, gonna... in a backup quarterback, I'd rather have that. But is he going to win you any games? Was Jake no. Delagala going to win us any games? He at least won a couple against the two best teams in the West. And then what happened? Well, the, I mean, the defense really just fell off the rails at that point, well, honestly. That it True, was, to me, it wasn't so, how much of that was because our offense couldn't stay on the field. Long the offense was still the offense was still putting up points. They put up way more points yeah. than they did with Trevor Harris, and they were three and one with Harris. So what does that tell you? That the defense just shut it down. The defense was playing think, good in the first half of the year. That's why they had the record that they did, and that was with Harris playing pretty crappy, to be honest. Yeah, Harris wasn't turning the ball over, but. He wasn't lighting it up by any means when you're winning 13, 12 because of a rouge on a kickoff, because someone <laughs> in Edmonton doesn't know the rules of the CFL. Like, thank God for the defense that game. Cause the riders didn't score until the very last drive in that game against Edmonton. Dole Gallo was putting up points. Well, he was until he wasn't like you look at, you look at labor day. We won 32, 30 in overtime. Then we got blown out 51-6. We put up 27 up on the Elks, put up 28 up on the Red Blacks, put up 26 on the rough uh, on the Lions, 13 on the Tie Cats, 19 on the Stamps again, and lost to the Argonauts to finish the season and put up 26. So yeah, they were scoring, but but that comes back know. to the Nick Marshall thing. He was he was putting up points. But he just as fast, he was turning the ball over in, in in terrible spots, fumbles deep in our zone, interceptions, pick sixes. That was where his problem was. It was he was doing both of those things, and you need more stability at that at that defensive or that second uh, quarterback spot. You need a guy who's not going to lose it for you. And I just I don't I don't get the the anger over this one. He reminded I me think... of the '90s quarterbacks in the CFL. Ron Lancaster. I mean, obviously before the '90s, he threw a lot of interceptions. Danny McManus threw a boatload of interceptions. But if you're going to go out there and chuck it, saying this is what we're going to do and it works, why would you be upset at that? Well, and Jake Dolagala, his biggest crime is he could never make that short throw. He was throwing that fastball <laughs> right through the receiver every time. Yes. Um. But the way I look at it, this is like Drew Willie all over again, except Jake's not getting a starting job. Like the people lost their minds when Drew left because they like he's he's better than Durant. He's like the Riders are going to lose to Winnipeg. Blah 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 blah. 
Winnipeg. Winnipeg, sorry. The Rogers did fine without Drew so Willard. So we'll do fine with Jake Dolagala. He's not their starter. Vernon Adams is still their starter, and there's no yeah. way in hell Jake Dolagala is going to usurp him for that. See, I'd, I'd be on board with Ryder fans being upset about it if Dolagala was signed to be the starting quarterback. Then, was, then you'd actually get to see, did the team make the right decision on him or not? Since he's just a backup. Yeah. But on the flip side now, if you're a betting man, go put money down on BC winning the cup next year. We've seen what happens when, when guys leave Saskatchewan from court at quarterback. Zach Caleros did it. Cody Fajardo did it. Now is is it is it Dolagala's turn? And BC looks like they have the chance to win the cup. How funny would that be? To see I'm, it three, I'm gonna three champs in the a fact, row like that or three the fact you're bringing up Zach Caleros as a rider quarterback that left here to win a great cup, I, <laughs> I want to drive to your house right now. Hey, we're going we're gonna to talk about why that wasn't the case in just a minute. And honestly, if, if the guy we're about to talk about doesn't make a dirty hit, we're not talking about three great cups or two great cups in four years and four appearances. We're, we're talking about the streak continuing well into our 60s. Okay, well, let's jump to that team. Well, let's get this part out of the way. Tim White signing in Hamilton. Uh, he only got two hundred k in hard money for this upcoming season. He wanted $300,000, so very far cry from what he wanted. Um, good on Hamilton for standing firm and uh, getting him at a pretty decent discount. Like I said, I, I could say I want a date with Dua Lee, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. And he said he wanted three hundred k. It wasn't going to happen. No team was going to pay him that much money. Hamilton was his best shot at coming into a dollar value that everyone wanted. Could another team win up 250 and probably got him in? Probably. But I don't know who's got the space for him right now at that dollar amount. Hamilton always made the most sense. That That's the funny thing to me is not two days ago, I can't remember who it was, was saying that there were multiple teams that would be interested in Tim White if his dollar value came down to that 250 range. And then all of a sudden he signs for 200 with the potential for what was it 235-ish, something like that. 235 240 in in year 1 and a little bit more in year 2. That's a that's a pretty big drop. I'm shocked that there wasn't somebody else kicking tires at at that number. Cuz he's worth that. I would have taken him at that in a heartbeat. But I think it also comes to, and not enough people talk about this. Yeah, the dollar amount is good, but a lot, a lot of players like familiarity, like the coaches, like the system, like the facility, like the players around them. Going to another place for an extra couple of grand, yes, it sets you up maybe a little further in the future. But these contracts are only as good as the paper they're written on. That can go south in a hurry, and that could completely screw up your value for your next contract. He does realize that Bo Levi Mitchell is still the guy throwing him the ball next year, right? I'm I'm thinking that already screws up his next the value of his next contract. That's a scary situation. I like what Hamilton's done addressing free agency, just like the Riders. They needed to upgrade in a lot of spots, and they did. And you guys know I'm a Bo Levi Mitchell guy. That uh, he's he's not the guy he once was. And yeah, that's that's not going to go good for for Hamilton this year. They, they you know, the money they threw around this year to improve every other place, like every other position. It's like they realized they hosted the Great Cup last year, right? Yeah. Like it looks like they're building up to host and it just seems like it's a year too late it just mind-boggling um okay steve you mentioned it this guy retiring simone lawrence uh linebacker for the tie cats going to be a brand ambassador for the tie cats which makes sense i mean they love him over and he, he's a great community guy over there he is hamilton tiger cats football um he's going to be in the hall of fame and i know that's going to get a lot of people upset um, eight other fan bases will tell you that he's a dirty player. I happen to love, 
Yeah, I think I think I don't know. I don't know if it's all eight. Most of them, anyway. Um, I think he's a player that I don't even think, for the most part, played to the line. I think he just had a couple dumb moments. Or obviously the Zach Claros one here in 2019. Um, but he has this reputation now of being a dirty player. When I think of dirty players, I think of Jason Jimenez, to a lesser extent, Rob Murphy of the BC Lions. Kyrie say bear uh, Garrett Marino, obviously, obviously um, AJ gas, man. I hated him. I made a sign and took it to a game that said AJ is a gas hole. Um, I did not like that guy. Dirty, dirty player. Um, I'm surprised people... Dominic McCard did not make your list. <laughs> uh, <coughs> yeah, he probably should have. Um, yeah, he should have made your list. He's, he's love the man. Those... Love him on your team, but man, yeah, that man was dirty. Um, a lot of people saying, Adam Big Hill, just in the sense of him diving over the piles, leading head first, is dirty, uh, which I believe it that is. That might get you blocked, by the way. That Maybe. might get you blocked. Yeah. But would you put Simone Lawrence in with those guys when you're talking about dirty players? Because I don't think I would. Not even close. This is, yeah, we're all on, on the same mind on this, and which is not popular in Rider Nation. Everyone wants to have that hit on uh, Claro's framed on their wall, I swear, because that's all they ever bring up. That's all we ever hear about. But poor Simone, every year, gets pelted on being a dirty player and Zach Claro, Zach Claro, Zach Claro. It was a dumb decision. Lord knows I do not want to be judged the rest of my life for the dumb decisions, one dumb decision I've made. And Lord knows I've made a lot of them. So, did that play suck? Yes. Did he play his entire career that way? No. He played a hard physical game. And you're right. I don't think he even approached the line. It's just, he's always going to be known for that one play, essentially. This this is a guy who made, was it 750, 760 career tackles? And he made one that was suspension worthy. One. That's that's a lot of hits that were completely legal or at least worth no more than a 15-yard penalty. I, I've never understood the hate for it or this odd need to call him a dirty player. No, a coward, absolutely. Race me, you coward. We're ducking you. Yeah, we're ducking you. <laughs> but, uh, but honestly, a dirty player, I don't... I've never, And I've been very vocal about this the last few years. He's not even close to that. He doesn't deserve the hate that he gets. He deserves to be in the upper echelon of guys that have played in this league in our generation for the way he's played the game. So to to put him in amongst some of those guys that are legitimately dirty guys, I've I've seen Ryder fans try and compare him to Garrett Marino. If you try to make they, that well, they were you're they 100% a moron. Were. There was there, media there's... people in this market comparing him to him, uh, Garrett Marino to Simone Lawrence. The, the difference between what Simone has done over a decade-plus-long career and what Garrett Marino did in a cup of coffee up in the CFL, and to even try and compare the two tells me everything I need to know about your argument. You know, did he play to the line sometimes? Sure. Rarely. Over it? I don't see it. It just, I don't know. I don't, I've never understood it. I'll always remember Simone for uh, joining us here on this show and talking about smack talking kids uh, playing Fortnite online. And when they'd start, you know, swearing at him and whatnot, he would just say, yeah, well, your mother doesn't love you and make them quit the game. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts. Guys with his personality are exactly what this league needs. As many of as they can get. Cause he just, he just loved life. Yeah, I say he and, loved like he's dead. He's not dead, but like he just had that has that air about him. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, they need those personalities. Well, and being a brand ambassador is perfect for him in Hamilton, and of course with the CFL now looking to hire a uh, manager of player marketing. Um, hopefully, we see guys with big personalities like that do something with that, make them stars. Oh, and that's why, yeah, he totally fits in that brand role. Like, Simone Lawrence is 
highly recognizable to all CFL fans. That giant smile of his. Yep. And he he bleeds black and gold. He's active on social media. He's active in the community. Like very good role for Simone Lawrence. And it's good he's sticking around to be in Hamilton because the CFL needs more of that. Guys coming in, be part of their communities, and that's what grows the game. Brandon Browner, that's who I missed on my list of being yes, a dirty player. Yes. Brandon Browner. Man, I hated that stamps team so much. Isn't he in prison right now? He sure is. He's he's yeah. not getting out for a long time. He no, he's not. <laughs> what did he do? It was something murder related, wasn't it? Sure was. Uh, that's, and that's uh, for, that's awesome. former New England Patriot Brandon Browner too. Yeah. Patriots and Stampeders, just the worst of the worst. I'll tell you that right now. Denver Bronco. Yep, worst of the worst. Oh, the Denver Broncos. <laughs> oh, the Broncos. Uh, you just don't get a merch. Uh, but they have Alex Singleton now, so that kind of makes up for it because he's pretty awesome. But anyway, I don't know. I got nothing else. <laughs> oh, I do have one more thing. Uh, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. And also... Thank you for being such a big supporter and fan of the CFL and myself personally. Never going to tire of that. No. Now that I have control of a button. (laughs) Yeah. Now we both have buttons. Uh, Well, see us. You're just going to spend the whole show pushing my buttons. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, that'll do it for this, this week here on the Piffles podcast. Uh, Thanks for joining us here. Thanks for watching on SaskTel Max TV on demand on YouTube, listening on your favorite podcast platform. Of course, Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks, as always, go to Kathy Festion of Royal Page Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. Tyler Gilbert, your, uh, Greg, your guy, Tyler Gilbert, because uh, you got My a boy. t-shirt from him. I did, for all of our support, and I'm also using him on the Thunder Dome podcast, so. Uh, he lives in Winthorse now, which I'm like, talk about a small world. I played a lot of hockey in Winthorse. So. There you go. Yeah. Well, shout out to Tyler. T- he takes us out as normal. Yep.